0: Welcome to School of Movies. The Warriors.
1: These are the armies of the night. Can
2: you dig it? Can you dig it?
1: The Furies. The Boppers. The hi hats. The Lizzie's. The Turnbull Aces, The Gramercy Riffs. Riffs! Yeah! And these are the Warriors. We know about the Warriors. They're a heavy outfit. They're from Coney Island. Warriors? You guys are the big dudes, huh? Now, they're in the Bronx. We're going back. 27 miles behind enemy lines. It's the only choice we got. Between them and safety stand 20,000 cops and 100,000 sworn enemies.
3: I want them all. I want all the
1: warriors. They've got one way out, they've got one chance, they've got one night the warriors.
0: What we have here is a cult classic that was somehow conversely very popular on release. It isn't complex and there's very little in the way of character depth or development of the kind that we normally thrive on on this show. What it does have is style and memorable moments, a certain debatably warranted pomposity, a deliberate ignorance regarding American race relations quotable lines, a mixed treatment of women, and the presentation of a near-future dystopian world that contains approximately four non-gang members in a New York City... Sorry, five, there was that woman selling chocolate. In a New York City where otherwise everyone is wearing colours. We like it, despite its troubling elements, and it gives us quite a lot to talk about. This show was commissioned by Austin Wilden, and I think this is the poshest opening to a review of The Warriors that's ever existed. (laughs) Yeah, so we're here to discuss the warriors. With us are Karu Nagisa, hey there, and Debbie Morse.
4: Call me Mercy,
0: the the, the uh, token lady of. Uh, oh no, we've got two, so you could be one of the Susies, Sharon.
5: lizzie's, lizzie's.
0: <laughs> the Susies, the Susies, and Debbie Morse, both of sequentially yours. And before we start. What are your relationships with this film? Uh, We'll start with Sharon.
5: Saw it once a few years ago for a podcast. And then again now for a podcast.
6: (laughs) So the only reason to
0: watch (laughs) The Warriors if you're
5: Sharon is for a podcast. (laughs) Okay.
6: Uh, Karu. Um, I I adore this film. I first saw it as a child, and I was immediately drawn to it. I didn't quite understand what was going on most of the time. But, you know, I I did love watching it. And then... um, I forgot about it until about 2005 when my roommate at the time was going to college and he took a film class and he was studying it. And suddenly it all just came flooding back. Hmm. And, you know, I've watched it several times over the years. I I adore it. And Debbie?
4: Watching it for this podcast was my first time watching it.
6: (laughs) That's kind of
0: perfect because we we, we get to get some, some fresh perspective on this. First up, and this is open to everyone, describe the version of New York City that we are confronted with here in as much detail as possible.
5: It's dark. It is dark. It is very dark, and it's got that two-in-the-morning feel to it. Mm -hmm. There's There's a tone that comes with neon lights... And post rain sidewalks. And I've never quite been able to get the right set of words to describe it, but it's when your mind is in that twilight space. It's not even twilight, is it? Witching hour, I suppose. Uh,
0: Neon gothic. Yeah. I just made that up on the spot. I just love applying the word gothic. Yeah, no, I like it, yeah. A works. specific attributed atmosphere.
5: There's a almost mental toothache to hmm. it. Hmm. Drive has the same thing going on.
6: Yeah. 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 Well, it's very much a study in contrast because it is that it does have that darkness to it, but it's also full of these very colourful characters uh, in some cases, literally, you know, it, it's it's got a very comic book feel to it. And, you know, the director specifically, that was the only way he could put it into his head was as essentially a live-action comic book.
5: Mm. Which does and, fit yeah. with the darkness, actually, because it's that sense of wanting to bring intense, bright colour into a world that is otherwise washed out and threatening. Like more shadows,
4: but at the same time you feel more naked, if that makes any
5: sense, mm, there's a vulnerability to it.
6: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, you could you could sort of feel the almost love of New York going into this. Uh, this person clearly, you know, the people who worked on this clearly had a sense of this city, and then used that to as as dark and gritty and dangerous as the city is they still love it and it's very obvious and it comes through with sort of every frame Mm.
5: i think part of that may well be a deliberate empathy tool to encourage the audience to understand why the gangs would be so important to everybody because if this is a city that you love however you are vulnerable in it and it threatens you And your gang gives you the armor you need to be able to walk through this city that you love. That's relatable. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Can I amend my earlier uh, statement of calling this uh, neon gothic? Uh, If you think of it more the way that there's cyberpunk aesthetics, and we all know what steampunk means, how about
6: neon punk? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it, it,
6: it's, that, it's sort of a proto-cyberpunk in that respect. It yeah. doesn't have the tech, but it has the aesthetic. Yeah,
5: yes. It's analog. Yeah. yeah.
6: Yeah.
0: Okay. It, uh, it, sorry, Debbie, you were about to say something.
4: Oh, just just basically, it feels like a lived-in world. It feels very very real. Like these feel like real streets, and you know, for as as somewhat limited characterization. It does feel, this feels like a a world occupied by real people. This feels familiar, in a way.
5: I think they, I know what you mean, and part of the reality was, I think, achieved by the the filming it in actual New York and trying to get it into the hours that they could when there was nobody around. Uh Mm-hmm. And the, the sense of reality that I get from the characters is kind of a, it's almost a a hyper reality, which is is very true of comic book sensibilities generally, but it fits with the the mythical tone and the fact that this is a reworking of the story of a Greek army mm-hmm. that had yes. to march back to the ocean to get home after a, a potential war that had kind of fallen apart. That makes perfect sense. That this is drawing on the same. Greco-Roman mythology and history that superhero stories do, even though it's not manifesting itself as superhero characters.
6: Yeah, actually, Dynamite did publish fairly recently a follow-up where they were breaking Ajax out of prison, and it, it. I was reading it. I'm like, this fits really well. This, you know, it all works out very, very well for the whole thing. Uh, Did you guys watch the director's cut or the original? Uh, We watched the director's cut. um,
5: Okay, yeah. The original, I'm assuming, is the one that I saw. Yeah, that we've already seen, yeah. Yeah.
6: Yeah, Yeah, so you saw the Orson Welles um, uh, intro and the comic transitions and all that. And, yeah, it it all kind of. The the intro that.
0: that I was going to get to that in a second because it's one of the bullet points, but uh, the intro that uh, Hill reads was originally. Uh, going to be Orson uh, Welles, but by the time yeah. of 2005, uh, he got to actually do the version that he originally intended. Welles was dead in the cold, cold ground, and his last role was Unicron. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Hill <coughs> Hill did the intro himself, and it's a really bad idea doing a burned-in. Literal introduction. Hi, I'm Walter Hill, and this is the uh, film that you're about to see. Is the version that I would really want you to see. I don't go in with director's cuts. He just sort of does that conversational thing. It's you. I think you, I don't know whether you can fast forward it over it or not, but you can't start the movie without that. Although it is an extra, it then cuts to the beginning of the film, and you hear the exact same voice reading you the. Uh, mythology of of the Greeks and it honestly feels like you transition now to the editing booth where he's just putting the final touches to his version of the warriors and I just thought you couldn't get Keith David for one half an hour session (laughs) yeah someone with a really fantastic voice to read you the story as though you know about the Greeks rather than just doing it yourself how low was the budget of this director's cut, and even if it was, just get someone with a really great... I could get someone with a really great voice to do it for now.
1: Over two millenniums ago, an army of Greek soldiers found themselves isolated in the middle of the Persian Empire. 1,000 miles from safety, 1,000 miles from the sea... 1,000 miles with enemies on all sides. Theirs was a story of a desperate forced march. Theirs was a story of courage. This, too, is a story of courage.
0: Over two millennia ago, an army of Greek soldiers found themselves isolated in the middle of the Persian Empire, 1,000 miles from safety, 1,000 miles from the sea, 1,000 miles with enemies on all sides. Theirs was a story of a desperate forced march. Theirs was a
1: story of courage. This, too, is a story of courage.
5: <laughs> but the budget was very low, let's face it.
0: Or, alternatively, just when people press play, it starts. Because the issue is twofold. It's not just that he doesn't have the best narration voice. It's that we've just heard it in a colloquial fashion. Do you prefer the comic transitions? Because effectively, folks, if you've uh, not seen the, uh, uh, the director's cut or if you've not seen it at all, what happens is the scene transitions go from the end of one scene, it all goes into a comic panel, like um, uh, the one from the uh, the AHA music video, Take On Me, and then it transitions to another comic panel, which is the beginning of the next scene, um, with a little music, and then that that melts into uh, the live action. Did you did you guys like that? Uh, I mean, with Debbie, it's the only version, I mean, I'm assuming it's the only which? version
6: you saw. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I think it fits the tone really well, and... I mean, I'm a comic book guy. I'm going to like anything, almost anything that introduces more comic book elements into things.
4: I thought it fit with the story very well. It seemed like, oh, yeah, this makes perfect sense for it to do this. Mm. Now, I didn't hate the movie or anything, but it wasn't like I didn't fall in love with it. Mm. And that was one of the things that I did really like about it.
0: Was the franchise of the comic. Yes. Yes.
5: I really appreciated that as well. I think it it emphasizes that comic book tone it makes the mythologizing feel more legitimate's not quite the right word but it if it if it without those it feels too much like a po faced dystopian sci-fi hmm. With them it feels like it knows how seriously to take itself question mark what it needs is something to
4: make make the place feel lived in and feel real, at least in terms of its own world. Even if it doesn't exactly feel like our world, it feels like a real world. Mm. And I think oddly enough that the comic book transitions help with that.
0: For me it felt like uh, Streets of Rage and uh, obviously Streets of Rage and Final Fight were very much um, informed upon by this as as was Double Dragon. Uh Insofar as they give you the stage which is the windy streets with the rain on the pavement. And they give you a whole bunch of gang members, and there's no one on the streets that you don't have to punch. And you just walk from left to right, and everybody <laughs> that you see is in a colorful costume, and you go, pew, 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 and yeah. you punch them all, and, and you keep heading right, and eventually you hit a boss. And uh, it's, it, this was the prototype for the 80s scrolling brawler. What's up, Jeff? Yeah, I'm
5: just now can't get out of my head the image of Swan leading his boys down the street with the streets of Rage music playing in the background.
0: I can to play that game now. Ajax kicking over trash cans and feasting upon the whole roast chickens they find inside. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, I mean, yeah, that, the, the brawler, it feels like it really did stem from this and from, from uh, you know, other sources like it. But I can't think of anything else that really feels quite so punky. Maybe... Um The way that Miller uh, puts across uh, The Dark Knight Returns with the cold, we slices and dices, like the the, the, the evil punks in that.
5: Yeah, I think that's a similar sort of universe. Mm. You you could put those two together and it would feel legitimate.
0: Mm. But um, while it looks gritty, like tangible, I feel like if you opened up the doors in the houses, it would just be blank space behind there, like because that's part of the game that they don't want you to see. And um, (laughs) we were talking about remakes and Sharon said, no, no, rather than a film, get this, a rock star video game. And she beamed proudly and I was like... Okay, I'm just going to show you a trailer. And I showed her the trailer for the Rockstar PlayStation 2 game The Warriors and she went,
2: "Well, I was right." And she went, "Is that made
0: up?" And I went, "No, no, that that actually happened. It totally was real. You can get it now on PlayStation 4 with the uh the slightly up up version, but um yeah. Yeah, it it feels Very much like that kind of world, but like Grand Theft Auto Four, sorry, Grand Theft Auto Three, where in Liberty City you run up to, you run past buildings, and they've got that facade of buildings, but you can't actually get inside them apart from the couple that you're supposed to go inside.
5: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, although that again does fit with that sense of your gang is the only source of. Reality almost for you, and anything that's outside of your gang is a threat, or is a, a world that's closed off to you.
6: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's, and that's part of the reason why they need to always. They, the idea of wearing your colors is so important to this film because if you don't wear your colors, who are you? What are you?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, the other notes that I've got on, on how the world feels, despite the fact that it's, they've got the whole of Manhattan. It's claustrophobic. It really feels like they're trammelled and that they uh, they they aren't out in the open. Even when they are out in the open, if that makes sense, like mm. that they're constantly being watched and there's eyes around every corner, which makes it feel like a prison. Mm. The whole thing is a prison movie.
5: There's a tunnel yeah. sense to it because they have this this track that they have to follow to get home. Or a labyrinth. There's yeah, they're they're yeah. like rats being herded down mm. this this particular line.
6: Yeah, and, and to an ex- the fact that they keep coming back to the trains and the trains don't quite work out for them to bring them all the way to where they need to be contributes to that video game feel as well. Like, all right, well, we're at the next level because <laughs> the train stopped because there's a fire on the track.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. That Yeah, it does feel yeah. like, oh, no, the the cutscene's happening. you got to get off the train.
5: Indeed.
0: Exactly, yeah. Now you're being dumped on the side here.
5: Mm. Although it... It baffles me that they have zero sense of scale. One of them says at one point, we've got to travel like 50 to 100 miles. No, 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 It's like 13 and a half.
6: It's, it's 30. No, it's, th- it's 30 miles from Van Cortlandt Park to Coney Island. Yeah. Oh, okay. Roughly. It would take uh,
0: about six hours to walk. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and-
6: exactly. Yeah. Manhattan is 13 miles, plus they were at the top of the Bronx and Coney Island's at the bottom of Brooklyn. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, Six hours to walk if you're not having to hide in slums.
5: Mm. I suppose, yeah, they're not taking a direct route either, are they? No. Because they've got to go through safe ground.
0: Mm. Uh, You mentioned uh, what I consider one of the most important elements of this film. Not the script or the acting, not the direction or the editing, but the costumes. Designed by the unsung hero of this, Bobby Mannix, and embroidered by Rose Clements. Um, Why might that be the case? Why are costumes so important in The Warriors?
5: For the same reason that they're so important in superhero movies. The the mythical character is defined by what we can see of them, and the costume is a huge part of that. It's uh, an externalisation of who they are inside. It shows you who their alliances are. It demonstrates, like, when you've got huge groups of people, you can see immediately which ones go together and which ones clash.
6: It also contributes to the sort of mythical themes that are going on. For example, when Mercy asks for a warrior's uh, a warrior's vest, and they refuse because she's not one of them, and they will not make her one of them. Later, she steals the jackets, and... Um, essentially taking another personality so she's not the same person who screwed up what was a very good negotiation with the orphans, that they could have gone straight through that without wasting their Molotov cocktail. Mm. Mm.
5: <laughs> Although that jacket had a, a real-world reason behind it. She, the cast. Yeah, she'd busted her wrist and was wearing a cast, so they had to give her long sleeves to cover <laughs> it up.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they, they couldn't even show her putting it on because you'd see the cast. So she just sort of you know, steps up wearing the jacket and it's like,
6: I, I stole it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, also the fact that one of the characters is named Ajax. And, of course, Ajax and Odysseus, um, when Achilles died, argued over his armor. Odysseus, in this case Swan, won because he was clever. He was more clever and spoke wa- spoke better, even though he wasn't as good a warrior. And Ajax eventually falls on his own sword as a result. In this case, in the movie, in this case, he tries to sexually assault somebody on a bench rather than going home because he's an idiot.
5: Hoist by his own petard, (laughs) eh? (laughs) (laughs) right? Also, a small point about one set of the costumes, and this may be me reading way too much into it, but, Debbie, you might have noticed this as well. The Lizzie's are wearing rainbow T-shirts... And the way most of their jackets hang, the only stripes you can see are the purple, indigo and blue. I hadn't specifically picked up on that, but you are totally right.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Imagine a lot of our listeners don't know what those colours signify.
5: uh, It's the bisexual flag.
0: (laughs) There you go. Yeah.
5: And the Lizzie's are presented in a certain sapphic light. Would that be fair to say? It's you could young, say that but it's there yeah
6: and the yeah. fact that they're all dancing with one another mm. and yeah yeah just a little just a little
5: yeah and, and they they use that to kind of enhance the sense of their being duplicitous and them luring the guys back for their own purposes like yeah. they're essentially
0: sirens or main ads.
3: Mm.
0: exactly oh, yeah. that's exactly where I was going with oh, that sorry.
6: Great. Okay. <laughs> oh
3: sorry no no no, <laughs> do, no, you wanna, no do, do you want to say do, it do, anyway because
6: it. it's a good point and I don't want to nick it yeah, no it's it's they're basically the si- they are basically the sirens of this odyssey that very much the warriors could be seen as a retelling of the Odyssey from at least certain aspects of it, and they are very much the sirens who you know pull in some of the dumber warriors who again <laughs> decide to get laid rather than getting to safety i t- I don't know. Maybe I'm just not 20 anymore. But the idea that people are trying to kill me really just destroys all all need for sex in me. Just I'm not. I am no longer interested in sex when people are trying to murder me. Yeah, you're, you're, that'll kill a boner.
5: See, <laughs> yeah. allegedly, I am. I am given to understand. Maybe it's just in younger men. But apparently, there is something about the threat of danger that makes young men horny. All
0: right, then. Maybe. Be, that would explain Ajax. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll go into uh, him in a minute. He's quite a character.
7: All right, now. For all you boppers out there in the big city, all you street people with an ear for the action, I've been asked to relay a request from the Gramercy Riffs. It's a special for the Warriors. That's that real live bunch from Coney. And I do mean the Warriors.
2: Here's a hit with them in mind. Nowhere to run to go, yeah. Nowhere to hide. Got nowhere to run to, to go, nowhere,
0: nowhere to hide. What you were saying about the, uh, the superhero thing made me think that actually... Well, two things. One, that the gangs are gestalt entities that effectively each gang is a person a character and so there's you know a hundred gangs so that's a hundred people crawling the streets each with their own uh, distinctive look but all of those individuals within the gang blend into this hive mind Uh, but that also means that this is kind of the infinity war of the warriors (laughs) in that um, all of these gangs turn up at once and like you know they'd have to have like these days, they would do a cinematic universe, and uh, uh, you'd, you'd have uh, say twenty, well, uh, eighteen films about eighteen different gangs and gang situations. Before There's one
5: about the cops, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, uh, and it wouldn't, this one wouldn't just be about the warriors. There'd be a, a much bigger, you know, thing going on with this this big gathering of all of them. This is a huge deal.
7: Be looking good, warriors. All the way back to Coney. You hear me, babies? Good. Real good. Adios.
0: There is a truce on right now in uh, New York City, the beginning of the Warriors, um, which is begun by uh, Cyrus of the Gramercy... Gramercy Riffs. Gramercy Riffs, that's the one. Uh, The leader of the Gramercy Riffs. He is organizing a big get-together, and no one's allowed to hit each other. Uh, up until that point. So let's just um, go through the various gangs without taking too much time on it for a second. Okay, so we've got the Warriors, who are our, our, our main nine heroes. And uh, then there's the Turnbull ACs, uh, who are the ones who nearly catch them in the bus when they're trying to run for the train. The Orpans, uh, which is the <laughs> <laughs> New York uh, branch of the uh, the Orpans uh, from... Um, Miami connection, and uh, they're kind of the Ross Geller of uh, the um, uh, of, of all of the gangs. There's a hundred or so gangs, like I said, uh, all invited, apart from the orphans, to this uh, big uh, meeting, so that they're sort of like mooching on a street corner, feeling sorry for themselves. Uh, there's the Baseball Furies that we'll talk about uh, later one of the most striking uh, of the uh, um, gangs so Marilyn Manson with baseball bats uh, the Lizzie's are a bunch of uh, the the only ladies in the entire film mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that's an all female gang the punks are uh, identified by all wearing dungarees and <laughs> roller skates <laughs> which is the most okay, punk thing
6: cap. yeah <laughs>
0: Uh, the rogues are uh, well, they're, they're all leather daddies hot cops. or hot yeah. cops, yeah. Um, and th- these these are the bad guys with the the the, the one dude Luther who actually
5: st- he's got a sheriff's badge on.
0: Yeah, that was in the yeah. article. Right. Uh, so the sheriff shot him. OK, uh, the, the, the one dude, Luther, who, who, who kicks this whole thing off by uh, assassinating Cyrus for no real reason. Uh, the Gramercy Riffs that I mentioned before, who are effectively depicted as the Black Panthers. Uh, the Boppers, who seem to have jumped straight out of the 1950s, and they're like a doo-wop. Um, band. They all wear sort of like purple pimp hats and and uh, fabulous shiny uh, purple waistcoats. The Boyle Avenue runners all wear little black vests with red piping. Um, the electric illuminators all wear um, members-only jackets in a sort of a, a, a lurid yellow. The gladiators are discernible by their black tank tops and little else. The high hats uh, are mimes with little top hats on. <laughs> The Hurricanes (laughs) are a uh, Hispanic gang who all wear little straw, uh, I was going to say straw boaters, straw fedoras. Uh, No shirts. The Jones Street Boys are um, indistinguishable from everybody else. There seems to be no rhyme or reason to them. The Moon Runners. Uh, again, members only jackets, uh, very silvery because uh, they they like the moon. The panzers all wear uh, camouflage. The Saracens all look like Mark Wahlberg and bop around in black vests with yellow, with white piping. Satan's mothers like
6: uh, like historical Saracens, of course.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's that's that's, that's yeah. the that's what Saracens yeah. did. Um, Satan's mothers <laughs> wear um, little jackets with Satan's mothers written on them. The savage Huns. Uh, where sort of dark com- like communist china looking fatigues uh, and uh, the Van Cortland Rangers have little stripy t shirts and big wide brimmed gray fedoras the ones who aren 't even don 't even really do much but are mentioned or at least are in the uh, like in the cast or the notes. There's the Alley Cats, the Amsterdam All Stars, the Black Hands, the Black Jacks, the Big Trains, the Charlemains, the Colt Forty Fives, the Dealers, the Delaney Rovers, the Dingos, the East Street Shufflers, the Easy Aces, the Eighth Avenue Apaches, the Fastballs, the Fifth Street Bombers, the Fillmores, the Fire Tasters, the Five Points, the Gerard, the GoHards, the Gun Hill Dancers, the High Rollers, the Homeboys, the Hoplites, the Howitzers, the Hucks, the Imps, the Jesters, the Judas Punch, the Jupiters, the Knockdowns, the Knuckles, the Locos, the Magicians, the Meat Packers, the Napoleons, the Nickel Stakes, the Night Riders. Seriously, the Night Riders? The Ninth Avenue Razors, the Phillies, the Plainsmen, the Queensbridge Mutilators, the Real Boys, the Red Hook Shooters, the Roadmasters, the Romans, the Runaways, the Saratogas, the Shanghai Sultans, the Southern Cross, the Speedwagons, the Steve Doors, the Stilettos, the Stonebreakers, the Terriers, the Turks, the Whispers, the Wizards, the Xenophones, the Xylophones, now that's just asking for trouble. <laughs> Hey, all xenophones, yes, not you xylophones, the yo-yos, the young bloods, the zodiacs, and of course the Zulus. Of course, that that's like George Lucas levels of yeah. Let's let's have everyone have a name and a, and a, and, a, and a, like a little alien thing going on, and uh, like all these background <laughs> characters. Uh, it, honestly, like the, the the fact that they went into that much depth, or if not depth, at least detail of world. You know, is to this film's credit because all of the characters derived from these individual gangs and their eccentric mode of dress.
6: Yeah, I'm to about the Van Cortlandt Rangers were the hosting gang since it was Van Cortlandt Park. Yeah, sure. So that would make sense that they were hosting the Gramercy Rifts and all these other gangs for their um, for their thing.
4: This leads me to a mental image of like them passing out. I don't know, like. Souvenir knives, or, or or providing finger food, or something like.
5: <laughs> That's why everybody was only allowed to send nine delegates, so that they wouldn't run out of beer. Yeah, yes. I don't.
0: By the way, the warriors there are nine of them, but they mention just in passing there are a hundred and twenty warriors. Yeah. And they aren't the only Coney Island gang. Coney Island is not that big. Oh, actually, yeah, there's another gang who were made up just for the Rockstar game. Uh, That's the Destroyers, uh, and they also live on Coney Island. Yeah. Um, But it did make me wonder, if you've got 111 other warriors down in Coney Island, and you've got access to phones, why at no point did they call for an escort?
6: (laughs) I think because they were already in trouble, and that would essentially have declared war on every territory that they marched through.
0: Yeah, I suppose if the nine of them get uh, uh, picked off and killed, then the the rest of them are all right. That's an unselfish move. However, it should at least have been discussed.
5: Mm. Well, they do. Yeah. When they first set up. A point point of conflict. They do discuss whether or not the, the truce is still on. They don't really decide until a little bit further down the line that oh no everybody is out to get us.
3: He hates these cans. <laughs> Stay
5: away from the cans. Well, yeah. At first they didn't.
4: They did not realize it wasn't until uh, what? It's a quarter really of the way It's really late through? in the day,
0: isn't it? Or that they actually get, they realize oh we we've been accused of killing Cyrus. Well, we didn't.
4: Yeah. It. it So, yeah, I'm sure some of it was, oh, we just got to get home, and, oh, like, assumably probably, Cyrus is dead, so the truce is probably off, but I don't, yeah, they're not cognizant of of the actual danger they're in until quite a bit later.
0: But they're also not questioning. They don't ask about anything. They're very cagey with everyone they meet. And they and if they'd known about it earlier, they might have said, could you just get the word out that we definitely did not kill Cyrus, whether they believe us or not, just so, you know, our statement on this is clear before we get knived.
6: Yeah, they, they, they could have called the radio station that apparently serves as the way that gangs talk to each other. Mm. Yeah. Like that... That, that was the weirdest part. Like, there, there's a radio DJ who just passes messages to gangs
5: well, on there. She's specifically affiliated with the Gramercy Riffs.
0: Yeah, the, the okay, ones yeah, who is. Cyrus, okay. who, from the sounds of it, are the ones who are really important and actually they're, could They're
5: running over. New York, effectively, yeah. at yeah. this point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm running right New York! But well, the- and she
4: always says the boppers, so it almost sounds like she's specifically talking to that, that specific gang.
5: Oh, okay. Maybe it's them. She's affiliated with them.
0: Well, no. I think they're just they're going into bopper territory. So, uh, like, so it seems like everyone listens to this oh, station. okay. You yeah. might be right. So it's like she. Well, I really like this as a framing device. Uh, like, I, I was, I, I had imagined and thought that there was more of her narration saying where the warriors have been last sighted in the film, and it actually would be a really great sort of running commentary to to, to constantly tell people this is where the warriors are. Go get them here. She mm. should
5: have done the intro bit instead of Walter Hill. Yes. yes. Oh, my gosh, that would have been perfect. Ah.
0: Yeah. Lynn Thigpen, uh, and she died in 2003, two years before oh. the uh, special oh. edition was made. And that is a shame, because she's got a fantastic voice and this fantastic mouth, which looks like she's like really putting venom into it when she's like, sorry about that.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh.
4: <laughs> yeah, th- for all the fact that that's all we see of her... It's very expressive. She's performing entirely between her voice, what she, and what she says, and the way she says it as you watch her mouth. Like, you get a lot of a sense of emotion just from seeing that.
0: Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. remember, as far as this DJ is concerned, the Warriors killed Cyrus, and everybody loved Cyrus.
7: Latest sports news off the street, Bobbins. The baseball furies dropped the ball, made an error. Our friends are on second base and trying to make it all the way home. But the inside word is that the odds are against them. Stay tuned, bombers. Stay tuned.
0: So the entire plot of this film spirals out from one pivotal scene at the beginning, the Grand Gang Gathering in the Bronx and the speech and assassination of the aforementioned Cyrus. Now, what are the strong points on display here during this very important scene?
6: Um, I really do like uh, Roger Hill's performance as Cyrus. Um, I think he does... phenomenal job it, i buy into his vision you know when he describes it he's got a good patter he's got really great sense of timing when it comes to delivering his lines it's almost um, like a gospel preacher
0: he roger hill died in 2014 so he was totally alive and could have done the intro describing what happened with the Warriors then
5: would also have worked with Good Cyrus Lord. doing it yeah. he
0: died in 2014 age 65 but that means that he'd have been only in his 50s when uh, when they were producing this du- uh, extended director's cut mm. yeah that would have been yeah. nice touch yeah. yeah.
3: now look what we have here before us we've got the Saracens sitting next to the Jones Street Boys we've got the Moon Runners right by the Van Cortlandt Rangers. Nobody is wasting nobody. That is a miracle. And miracles is the way things ought to be. You're standing right now with nine delegates from a hundred gangs. And there's over a hundred more. That's 20,000 hardcore members, 40,000 counting affiliates, and 20,000 more, not organized, but ready to fight. 60,000 soldiers. Now, there ain't but 20,000 police in the whole town. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? (laughs) been the man turning us against one another. We have been unable to see the truth because we have been fighting for 10 square feet of ground. Our turf, our little piece of turf. That's crap, brothers. The turf is ours by right because it's our turn. All we have to do is keep up the general truce. We take over one borough at a time, secure our territory, secure our turf, because it's all our turf.
0: And right there, despite the non-observance of race within this film, is the root of the matter. Those in control maintain their stranglehold by ensuring that the people at the bottom are in constant conflict. Unity on that front would be terrifying for those who keep the status quo.
6: It's. I also love how the scene is shot. You get a really good sense of not only that everybody is coming together, but you could see the separations because of the costuming. Mm. So you can see these little clumps of people that are just sort of being pushed closer and closer together as part of Cyrus's vision for a 60,000 person army to take New York. They're almost innocent,
0: by and large. There's very few of them that deal with complexities or, or, or what we would consider to be anything other than like very straightforward emotions,
6: yeah, like, it's kind of like the lost boys in Peter Pan.
0: And there's times when you're um, when you're looking at these uh, uh, lead characters who are just sort of saying nothing and just leaning against a wall, and you're thinking, "Wow, they may they may be some." some deeper, darker, more complex stuff going on in there. And then they open their mouths and go, Hurr! and then this <laughs> very basic script comes pouring out. You're like, oh, it's all right, don't worry about it. There's, there's nothing <laughs> going on in there. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Probably the biggest thing that it made me, you know, not really fall in love with this movie is the fact that I, I didn't get a strong sense... Of like real danger and I definitely did not get a strong sense of humanity from almost any of the characters. Mm. And all I would have liked, and it didn't need to be big, but some little moments like, you know, have one of the warriors have a picture of his girlfriend that he carried in his wallet. Yeah. or Or a picture of his mom. You know, somebody expresses yeah. concern about what's going to happen to... You know, what's going to happen to my family? You know?
0: Have
6: them react to Cleon's death. Yeah. They really
0: don't do that. I was just about to say, the the deleted scene at the beginning of the film uh, is Cleon and his girlfriend, just before he uh, gives them their marching orders at Coney Island. It's shot in the daytime. They took it out because it felt like the whole thing is a perpetual night, and when you get to the daytime at the end, it's coming out of that. And... So it felt like they've got we've got to start at night. So they kind of condensed a lot of the, that scene into the intro sequence, which is which is at night. So you get little bits of that information there. However, it's so straightforward to have them have a what the hell's happened to Cleon moment and really have that shake them. We d- it says on the Wikipedia page, Cleon gets attacked by the uh, the uh, crowd and is presumably killed. So. Like if Cleon's dead, they need to be saying what do we say to Cleon's girlfriend? You know what? You know what do we say yeah. to the rest of yeah. the warriors? He's effectively the leader of 119
3: other people.
5: Mm. Yeah, he's yeah. Achilles. It's it's the first thing that gives Swan the opportunity to demonstrate leadership. If his first reaction is grief over the loss of Cleon, and then when Ajax tries to seize the leadership role from him, he mm. is coming from a position of Holy shit, I can't, can't think give think about Ajax, anything yeah. else other than Cleon right now. Oh wait, no, I do have to step up because otherwise this dick's going to be in charge yeah.
0: of them. So when Gandalf falls in Fellowship of the Ring and Aragorn is stricken with grief but at the same time has to manage being the new leader of the Fellowship and he's up against Boromir. And the central conflict yeah. between the two of them should really have been worked out. The whole, like, you know, I don't like you that much, I do respect you, but you are not being leader.
5: Mm. yeah. Well, he's muscle. Yeah. That's what Ajax is. Yeah. He's muscle. Have have Swan
4: react. Have and have Swan have a bit more forceful of a personality.
0: Just have Swan react.
4: Like it just sort of feels like yeah, he takes over and everybody's like, "Oh, okay." And I I want just a moment of him being like, "No, I am taking over. Mm. At least yeah. for now."
6: Yeah. Part of the problem is that James Remar put a lot more into this role than Michael Beck did. Yeah. Uh, James Remar really – he sat on Coney Island studying people, specifically studying the Homicides, which was one of the gangs on Coney Island that did not like the idea of uh, people walking around in fake gang colors on their turf. So Wardrobe had to make sure that nobody walked out wearing Warriors costumes of sets. But yeah, he studied these – James Remar put a lot of work into Ajax and I feel like Michael Beck didn't quite – put as much effort into it
0: yeah switch their roles and uh um have uh james remar be the the more stoic one that that works yeah Yeah. michael beck looks really like he's the one i was thinking of when it's like he looks really intense and like he's got stuff going on in there and i don't want to like rip into michael beck himself uh but the actual the character of swan when he starts to speak you're like oh you gauntless twit you've got nothing going on there and you're a bad leader yeah. Mm-hmm. so uh, again there's no uh, conflict there now you could just come along especially if you're a, a long time fan of the Warriors and go well you can't expect films to be good now I've spent <laughs> my entire life being told that that movies are bad now and used to be great I- I'm going to fucking dispute that and say no yeah. there's, there's so much more complexity now in our sci-fi and we look back on these older simpler films I, I saw Casablanca the other day with Sharon and it is a great film. We, we also saw Crazy Rich Asians that same day, and it's way better than Casablanca. Like, just in terms of what's going on in that film, Crazy Rich Asians is a way better film than Casablanca. Now, by all means, unsubscribe if you want, folks. We demand more from our films now than they did then. Our films, our characters, our storytelling is getting better and more complex because the creators are inspired by these early classics. It is right that they do it better. If they were doing it worse, that's devolution. That's everything turning to shit, and I don't subscribe to that philosophy. So whenever I see those lists of greatest films ever made with The Godfather and The Godfather Part 2 and Casablanca and Citizen Kane and The Third Man and Touch of Evil and Psycho at the top of the list, it makes me tired, bored, and sad that nothing has come along that's better in the minds of these people. Isn't it better just to live life with this optimistic idea that maybe something will come along tomorrow that will be even better than something you adore, rather than jealously guarding that post and going, no, nothing will ever top LA Confidential. I saw it when I was 17 and nothing could ever be better than it. I want to see something better than LA Confidential. On the subject of evolving and growing in complexity, and regarding the possibility of a remake of The Warriors, it's not only getting a remake, it's getting a remake TV series uh, over, presided over by the uh, Russo brothers. So, yeah. Ooh. Is this story sympathetic or condemning of gang life?
5: Oh. Ooh. I think it's sympathetic, very sympathetic of gang life I do think there are there is a degree of interrogation about gang methods? Yeah there's there's not a lot of planning ahead and this is the whole point of what Cyrus's speech and, and what his attempt to bring them together is about when you're education is undermined when your survival is threatened at every step, when you've got police constantly disrupting everything you try to do to progress your tribe, stroke gang, stroke people. You know, when you're, you're trying to build that up and the system will not allow you to do so, how can you not be sympathetic to that?
4: And when a gang, and when usually the gang in those kinds of situations is the only thing that gives you Offers you any sense of self worth?
5: Absolutely. I mean, even yeah. even what I said before about the Lizzies and the way that they're portrayed as as duplicitous and backstabby, and that that what they they do ultimately is mean. It's still kind of put out there as they had no other real choice. This is just this is something that they're doing to attempt to get themselves a little bit ahead. Um, and and to get themselves better status with the the gangs as a whole.
0: Uh, it doesn't feature any non-gang members. It certainly doesn't feature any of their point of views. When they turn up, it's as ex- outsiders themselves on the tube. When they're um, oh, sorry, on on the train. When they're at the end with those um, those party goers, they're just normal kids. They're they're briefly glimpsing this gang lifestyle and then they fuck back off again to their perfectly normal lives
5: Mm. and by contrast to that the gang members are because they're the ones we've been following thus far from this level they're the normal kids they're given this flash of life uptown how the the country clubs set in this particular area comport themselves and it feels alien and judgmental and all they're left with at the end is the discarded
0: Hmm. Different markets were being catered for in films that were specifically being seen by this original audience of white Anglo-Saxon Protestants.
5: Mm. Which they even had to tweak this for the original story does not have white main protagonists.
0: The studio Uh said we want them to be white. Yeah. Or at least the main guys. Because
5: otherwise we
4: can't sell it. Uh-huh. And even so, the, this is a like impressively
6: diverse movie for the time. Yeah. Part of uh, what's going on with this movie is also Walter Hill wanted this is a reaction to West Side Story and the romanticization of gangs. While they are sympathetic in this? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. While they are sympathetic in this, it's also not quite as uh fun as it is to be a jet <laughs> being a jet is you know you get stabbed occasionally but for the most part it's just dance-offs and jumping over fences That that's just being a jet <laughs> Daryl <clears throat> have you ever been in a gang what it's an advice question and if you don't want to talk about it I completely understand it's um
7: no 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 I know it's very very personal
6: no so... um... I have. I knew it. Okay. What are we talking about here? Crips, Bloods?
7: Both. God. Yeah, them and a Latin Kings. The Warriors. Okay. Newsies.
6: Okay.
3: So dig this. You're on the street, and one of your gang disses you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Alright, so what do you do to get them to make it right?
7: Well, see, um, in the gang world, we use something called fluffy fingers.
3: What is that?
7: That's where somebody really gets in your face. You know, you just start tickling them. Really? Yeah. And he? he starts tickling you. You know, pretty soon you're laughing and hugging. Before you know it, you've forgotten the whole thing. Y'all right. can just go to church together and get an ice cream cone. I would have never mm-hmm.
3: thought that gangs would be tickling each other.
0: Oh, it's effective. Do you know Steven Spielberg's working on a remake of West Side Story?
6: I do know. Uh, (laughs) What are you going to do with that one, Spielberg? (laughs) Yeah. uh, I... I, I still don't know how I feel about that, because I adore West Side Story, and Robert Wise and is one of the greatest directors of to live. but so is Spielberg, so we'll see.
0: Okay, so actually this, this leads me on to one of my later questions, but I'm going to bring it back here. The The Warriors operates on a policy of colorblindness when it comes to race, as in it does have that impressively diverse cast, it does, but it never makes an issue of it. So what are the positives and negatives of this decision, insofar as they don't in any way reference race?
5: I would say, first off, that that diversity of caste is the only reason that it can get away with it. Because if you, if you present something... If there's something, a
0: thousand white guys...
5: <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> if you present something in a manner that that is intended to come off as colorblind, and you're still majority white, and if there are any uh, minority ethnic characters, they are being... That their, their ethnicity is being ignored, then I think you're going to come off as hopelessly naive at best. Hmm. But I think, especially the, within the
0: context of this film absolutely. And, and what it's, but I think yeah, one of warfare.
5: the one of the strengths of why this works is because it's looking more at class. Mm -hmm. And obviously there is a racial component to that class structure. But, and it's not, class isn't, again, it's not quite the right word, but it's looking at this sort of what would be referred to as the underclass, the people who don't count, the people who pass underneath and get ignored. And everybody who's in that lower pit is kind of dealing with the same things, including the uh, the small number of white gang... Uh, well, no, not white gangs. If you had a an all-white gang in this, it would feel ridiculously uncomfortable.
0: I think the hi-hats were not only all white, but painted their faces white mime-white.
5: <laughs> yeah, but they're not coming at it from a position of mime supremacy, are they? No. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> Jesus, mime supremacy. Imagine the silent warfare. <laughs> Actually, I have a clip here of uh, the uh, hi-hats versus the baseball furies. I'm going to play it for you now. (laughs) (laughs) Scintillating dialogue. Okay, um... (laughs) You got me there for a,
6: for a minute. Oh.
5: But the yeah the 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 sense that everybody in this is being dumped on by the police and the uh, the people who are not gang level to a similar degree. So they're all again this is Cyrus's whole point. We are all in the same boat when it comes to this society not listening to what we need. If we band together, we outnumber them massively we can push them to to take notice of what our needs are mercy actually sums this up when swan is effectively saying to her why do you do this why do you throw yourself at people who whose name you can't even remember the next day and you know what what else do you want for your life and she points out to him she is not in a position to want anything the the only advantages she has are her youth and her energy and she's going to get what she can out of them now because they won't last. And that is kind of the epitome of that underclass struggle, that you, you aren't given any option to plan ahead, to have a future. So you might as well get as much living done as you can now because who knows when you're going to be dead.
0: It can be summed up as that line in uh, Bullworth. But we got
1: Americans with families can't even buy a meal. Ask a brother who's been downsized if he's getting any deal. Or a white boy bust an ass till they put him in his grave. He ain't got to be a black boy to be living like a slave. Rich people have always stayed on top by dividing white people from colored people. But white people got more in common with colored people than they do with rich people. So what are the
0: negatives of the decision, aside from naivete?
6: There's no kind of getting around that the studio was afraid of making white audiences uncomfortable by bringing up race, so... They didn't bring up race. Yeah,
5: It means that the racial element of class struggle goes unexamined. Unab- un,
6: um, hmm. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
0: On, on the upside, it, mean, it, it doesn't feel uncomfortably racist, and um, that it also mm. avoids ethnic groups being directly blamed for societal problems. Mm. Uh, but on the other side, I also added that the world feels a bit weightless and lacking in history, because if there's no racism on the streets in this setting... Mm then what happened? It's all allegorical under these circumstances.
5: I would say, however, that that lacking in history isn't necessarily to its detriment because it's got this sort of mythical feel to it. That means it does feel like it operates in its own little capsule universe.
0: So does Zootopia. But Zootopia handles prejudice really well.
5: Well, Zootopia Mm. creates its own history. What you don't get in this is an examination of how the gang structure came about in the first place.
0: Zootopia's remit is to present you with that. This very deliberately goes, yep, nope, we're not going to touch that one with a 50-foot baseball bat. Just going (laughs) to move
4: along. It doesn't touch on those things, but I think it's still progressive in what it does touch on. And those things are uncomfortable now, but I think that was still pretty progressive for yeah. the time.
6: It, it picks its battles. Yes,
5: yeah. Yes. I mean, but I, think- I think the the presence of the prom kids kind of sows that seed of there is a division in this city, and these are the rich people who are on the other side of it. Mm. Yeah, and and that's as like I said, it's not interrogated particularly deeply, but it's there.
3: I don't know what you're talking about, man. How could this be a big meeting if the orphans wasn't there? Listen, you didn't miss anything. There was a lot of hassle, a lot of heads got busted. Yeah, you think the orphans ain't with it? You, you think the orphans ain't well known? We didn't say that. Well, we got a heavy rep. You mess with us and you'll find that out.
0: The orphans were not invited. It was nothing to do with their personalities. Uh, there were numerous production woes uh, in the making of this film. Which ones do you guys know
6: about? Um, I know that they had problems with actual gangs, lots of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this wasn't like you know Dawn of the Dead where, yeah, there just happened to be a biker gang there, and they're totally into being in this film. No, it was, you know, gangs were on opposite sides of this. Some of them wanted to be involved, but other gangs didn't want their enemies involved. Um, at one point, one gang, like during a lunch break, came in and just busted up the entire set. It was, it was a big issue. Uh, the homicides, like I said, on Coney Island, their whole thing. The cemetery sequence, it was caged in. That's the only thing that kept them safe. Jesus. <laughs> I also
0: know the, the stunt court. Uh, this is just off uh, yeah, Wikipedia, the internet ticker here. Stunt coordinator Craig R. Baxley uh, put the cast through stunt school because Hill wanted realistic fights depicted in the film. Would you say the fights were realistic? They were not.
4: Overly real, but yet overly staged at the same time.
0: Yeah, it feels like amateurs doing choreography. Yeah. In preparation for his role, James Remar hung out at the Coney Island to find a model for his character. Uh, Hill wanted real gang members in the scene with off-duty police officers also in the crowd, so there'd be no trouble. There was trouble. Uh, The studio would not (laughs) allow Baxley to bring any stuntmen from Hollywood. (laughs) The studio sounded like complete bastards in this one. <laughs> like yeah. no stuntmen from Hollywood, please. You need to just get stunts done on, on you know in New York. And he needed someone to double for the character of Cyrus, so he did the stunt himself, dressed as the character. So uh, that means Baxley. And this was on the uh, the making of uh, Doc f- fell off the uh, jungle gym, uh, having been shot as Cyrus, uh, and did that tumble himself. Actual gang members wanted to challenge some of the warriors, or at least the cast members, but were dealt with by production security. The actors playing the warriors bonded early in the shoot and on and off set. Originally, the character of Fox was supposed to end up with Mercy. Now, Fox is a character who doesn't really get much happen to him before, well, what happens to him. During the scene where uh, Cyrus gets shot... Fox is just standing there like a complete plum, staring at Luther, Luther. Who, who, who shot Cyrus and then turns around and points that gun directly at Fox. Fox never mentions this moment to anyone. <laughs> he is the lookout. He's literally, the, his role in the Warriors <laughs> group is to watch out for things happening. He never mentions it, and it feels like if he mentioned it, there'd be some drama, and and the warriors would realize what had happened, and that they would uh, be gunning for Luther. Instead, there's confusion all the way up to the end. Fox, this guy who looks a bit like John C. Riley, was uh, supposed to end up with Mercy, the token lady, when Swan was captured by a rival homosexual gang known as the Dingoes, only to escape later. (sighs) (sighs) <sighs> <sighs> However, Hill watched the daily. does he, do they have to be homosexual? <laughs> However, Hill watched the dailies and realized that Beck and Van Valkenberg, that's Swan and Mercy, had great chemistry. The script was rewritten so that the characters ended up together. This resulted in actor Thomas G. Waits, that's Fox, arguing with Hill and being difficult on set, and so Waits was fired eight weeks into principal photography. So after this scene where he's staring at the uh, the killers of Cyrus. Thomas G. Waits was cast as, uh, uh as G- Walter Hills. It says here, his James Dean. So like a, a beautiful, young, <laughs> tragic man. And the director, and this is in in inverted commas, invited the young actor to the Gulf and Western to watch movies like Rebel Without a Cause and East of Eden for inspiration. During the screening, Hill offered Waits a drink, which Waits refused, resulting in a rift between the two that grew worse during the gruelling summer shoot. Now, there's so much stuffed into that little piece of Uh, information. Wow! I don't want to infer out loud, folks, but you can read into that whatever you like. At one point, Waits threatened to report the working conditions to the screen actor's guild forcing Paramount to provide a second trailer for the eight warriors to share. So uh, is, th- is that like that like they own they didn't have their own trailer? They
5: had one trailer for, for everyone. Everyone in the whole film. Uh, they eventually, because of him threatening to report the conditions, got a second trailer for the, the principal actors. Right. And uh, the actress who played Mercy actually said that at one point she was still crammed in with all the extras. Right. And some of the guys playing the warriors actually came and invited her to share their. Do you trailer, want to be in the so warriors trailer. The space.
0: It makes sense. Finally, when the tension on set uh, between Waits and uh, the director Hill reached breaking point, Hill demanded that stunt coordinator Craig Bexley improvise a stunt scene. Improvise a stunt scene? Like we'll just do it live. Fuck it. We'll do it live. <laughs> Yeah. in which Waits' character would be killed. Stunned, Baxley demurred, such a critical scene would take careful planning, but Hill was insistent, <clears throat> I quote, I don't give a shit how you kill him, Baxley recalls the director, saying, kill him. Baxley found a crew member who resembled Waits and staged a scene in which the character is thrown off a subway platform in front of an approaching train. It felt like they'd failed a quick-time event at this point, <laughs> but the game just carried on. It was like someone cut my soul out and left a shell, Waits remembers. He would later demand that his name be removed from the cast altogether. He remains uncredited to this day. I, I know he came on for the, uh, the, the... Very recently they had a last ride where the principal actors uh, all rode to um, Coney Island on the on the train, organised by Rolling Stone. He was definitely there. So that's nice that they brought him yeah. back. It
5: is nice. And he
0: wanted to come back. Mm. So, um, yeah, so that that's a... That's a fucking terrible situation. And when you watch the film, it's confusing. You don't know who's been killed, or even that they've been killed.
4: Well, and there's a there's a surprising lack in general of reaction to to any violence to their other members, like to presumably the death of the leader, whose whose name Leon. I've forgotten, yeah. Cleon. No little moments, no reaction to the fact that they've been accused of killing Cyrus, like. Yeah. A little bit. Again, I don't need big scenes, but just some anger. Give me some, A little bit of sadness. Give me something. Yeah. And why on earth do they not grow progressively more disheveled as the night goes on?
0: Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. They should have got more injuries. Their clothes should have yeah. been ripped. They should have been, like, uh, they do end up, like, um, Swan and Mercy do end up with filthy feet from walking through the subway, which are the ones that the uh, uh, the the corsage kids sneer at.
5: And Swan ends up with a very small bruise on one cheekbone.
0: (laughs) Possibly just the continuity of getting them into that makeup every time would have taken them too long. So it's like, just keep them at at relative uh, pristine.
6: What was it? Cochise got slashed. Yeah. That was about it.
4: Again, I don't need a lot. Snow Snow
6: gave up his neckerchief for it.
4: (laughs) Yeah. You know, show him wincing. Show somebody limping. Even if a few visible bruises. Just yeah. it doesn't need to be a lot. Something. Give me something here. It's. I don't. It, it makes it me not really buy the stakes of the of the of this night. Yeah. When it doesn't seem like anybody's actually permanently hurt, and if they are, then they're just gone.
0: Well, their their goal becomes. We've got to get home. Their goal never changes. And it's basically we've got to just keep getting on the train and trying to get home. We've got to keep getting on the train and trying to get home. Very little interrupts that. It is a very single-minded purpose, and it's not even like we will fight everyone that gets in our way. I mean, it is, but they they also they try to run and they try to avoid fighting. But there's never any conflict over. You know, is there anything else we can do that's not just uh-huh. this same plan? Yeah. Can we negotiate? Can we do something? Again, this is something that could be handled uh, later. But I read today that this is a classical hero's journey. And we've done a whole episode on the hero's journey. Uh-huh. And it, it it was very extensive. And so we went through the, the various steps. And it was like, I suppose after a fashion, the the call is you've been called to the Bronx to go to this meeting. The refusal of the call is, nah, man, I don't want to go to the meeting. The, <laughs> the, the, oh, crossing the threshold is leaving Coney Island in the first place. The, the mentor is, I suppose, Cyrus. The, uh, you, you were on the, on point with the, the meeting with the goddess is the Susie's, Um uh, the, the Lizzies, the Lizzie's. Yeah. because they yeah. get
5: there and it's like, and they, they want, want to stay and, yeah. and chill, and then they can't. But
0: there, there's really no death and rebirth, which is very important for the hero's journey. And when they return with the elixir, the elixir is they just get back home, or, or their elixir is their names are, are they're exonerated, but they haven't learned anything nothing's been achieved this night apart from that the person who shot cyrus is rightfully brought to bloody justice that's uh-huh. it it's not a hero's journey it's if it is it's barely a hero's journey and you can ask swan what he's learned at the end he'd just say the warriors are the best you warriors are good real good the best he wouldn't yeah. say it with a, a, a sense of more validity than he would the day before. Like, I've finally seen these guys in action. I now believe that they're the best. He'd just say it reflexively because all the gangs think they're the best.
4: These are supposed to be our heroes, or at the very least our anti-heroes. I get no sense of why we should root for these guys except the fact that they were falsely accused. Hmm. And you know, show me—I don't know—show me, like I mentioned earlier, vul- vulnerability. But also show me that you know they aren't—they don't instantly resort to violence always. Show, me, and we got a little bit of the negotiating with the Orpens. <laughs> 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 but for,
0: Jim sh- and he could cry <laughs> on <the> cue. <laughs> 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 it,
4: yeah, show me show me that they they think a little further ahead not a lot but a little show me that you know they they have maybe they can broker some alliances show me that something some reason to root for them other than the fact that they were falsely accused which doesn't really matter because it doesn't seem to matter to them mm-hmm.
0: Well, they don't even, like, really get it until the end that that they've been falsely accused. No,
5: and as well, I think they're, they're not really heroes. They're not really antiheroes because there is no moral line through this. Yeah. There is no, this is a right way to behave and this is a wrong way to behave unless you count what Cyrus is trying to urge them towards at the beginning, stop all the squabbling, stop all the infighting, band together and we can achieve something greater than the sum of our parts. But what you actually end up with is this journey of almost utilitarianism and their solution to every problem that they are faced with is to hit it. Everything in this town is a nail flight. and yeah. all they've got yeah. is hammers.
0: They can either run or they can fight.
5: Yeah, Or hide or, or, or break on through to but the But there's other nowhere side. to <laughs> run to <laughs> maybe,
0: nowhere to hide. The irony is that the gangs actually do kind of unify towards a common purpose, which is to find and kill the warriors. They just can't.
6: And the actual event that the gang meeting was based on, if anything, actually turned out probably a little bit better than this could possibly have, because uh, there was somebody who was a member of the Ghetto Brothers, I think his name was Black Benji, Mm -hmm. and he was trying to get the gangs together, but peacefully he was trying to get them to stop uh, fighting amongst each other just for the sake of not fighting amongst each other he got killed and as a result a lot of the gangs actually embraced diplomacy and started becoming friends Started throwing these block parties that uh to kind of blur the turf lines so he became a martyr and, to the cause yeah and if, if any actually those block parties were very important to the evolution of hip-hop ended up becoming a big part of that. Brilliant. Yeah. That, so that's kind of the the real history, there bits and pieces of it, of the real history that kind of inspired that meeting in the movie. See, Cyrus is, is definitely depicted as a messianic figure. He even looks
0: beatific at the at the end when he's dead and they sort of have him stretched out on the ground. His eyes are closed in this kind of peaceful way. And you you do believe, at least, on a superficial level, that something good could come of... This tragedy, yeah. But um, I, again, like more more depth is needed for a modern context because uh, we you know, we've we've moved the hell on from from this these very simple moves. Like we said at the beginning, it doesn't have that character and, and, and depth that that we normally thrive on, but it does have many many episodic moments of tension and release. I think the strengths of this film are that it sets up uh clear visual threats and then it builds them up and then they explode into action there's there's almost that there's almost always a payoff to what feels like tension
5: that's true actually that does give it a slight advantage question mark over the the rhythm that I was complaining to you about earlier today where you get Build and build and build and build and build. And then the last segment is just a big fight that nobody cares about. Mm. Uh Yeah. Which you you kind of have to have to release the tension that you've built up. But at the same time, if it's not handled skillfully, it just feels like, well, why?
4: It's. It, it's something, I've, I've said this, I think, on this podcast, and I've said many, many times, but it's the fact that fundamentally, and, and a lot of these movies now forget that, and I think to a certain degree the Warriors does remember this, is the fact that what what is most important in a movie is your story. And you have to have characters that, in this case, at least characters we identify with even a little bit, and it has to pay off emotionally. And I think most of those movies, they pay off in a literal fashion, but they don't pay off in ways that we care about. And I think for all its problems, The Warriors at least does that. Because it does pay off, yeah, those specific moments, those specific episodes. It's, more of, it's almost more of a collection of vignettes more than it is a cohesive movie mm. but a lot of those vignettes are really good
5: and they're jumping back and forward from group to group because <clears throat> they, they themselves split up into smaller groups and go off and have their own little adventures as you say that while it, it kind of breaks up that single-minded progression does mean that you don't have a consistent emotional arc that you can follow with the exception of, and this was the bit that I was the most invested in, Mercy. Mm -hmm. She's the only person in this who really progresses, who really changes, who goes from existing in this part of the city to now existing in this part of the city and although that's... It looks fairly superficial in that it's just a geographical progression. It seems to be moving her towards looking at her life in a different way. The downside of it is that it's, here you go, your life is better now because you found yourself a better bloke.
6: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're well, no longer hanging out with those ore pans. You're hanging out with the warriors, and the warriors are the best.
5: Yeah. There you go. Attach yourself to a, a man of high status, ladies, and um, things <laughs> will get better. I, I, I
4: disagree. I, I, I would counter that a little bit. Which that's totally there, and I totally, I don't disagree with you, but I do. There's also a little bit of with her, I very much did get the sense of she, yes, she was hooking up with Swan, but she was also doing this because she knew it was a good move for her. It was there, I got some sense of agency from her, especially the fact that. When she first comes on screen, she clearly has some very, very self-destructive patterns.
3: There's nothing wrong with you making it through our territory as long as you're coming in peace. (laughs) Cut it, Mercy.
5: (laughs) Those vests are real nice.
3: Lighten up, Mercy. Stop looking for trouble now. should have slapped your mouth the minute you opened it.
5: So who stopped you? Come on, give me one. Just one. I just want one vest. You could get another one, man.
3: No chance. Are you just gonna let an army walk through here anytime they feel like it? How's that gonna look?
1: You could get lost.
3: And pretty soon every gang's just gonna boogie right in.
5: Soldier right through. I'll tell you. What a man you are? Take your colours off, you can walk through.
1: We don't do that. It's just
3: our mark. It don't mean we're at war. You go as civilians, okay? You go as soldiers. I got to come down on you. Now take off your colors.
4: Hey, you hear me? Because she is, and and I don't mean this in a, like, I don't mean this in a victim-blamey way, but she is doing stupid things. Like, she's running her mouth. She's, like, she's putting herself in situations where she's in danger, and like Go getting two
0: gangs into warfare.
4: Exactly. Exactly. I'm like I'm like, yes, of course, you know, it's never the victim's fault, but honey, you're you are actively inviting death here.
0: Well, even if she's not specifically inviting death upon herself, or, she's stirring up shit when it doesn't need to be stirred.
4: Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Without her there, like, they probably would have we might not have had a movie, because they might have been able to pass peacefully, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I felt like, and maybe this was completely my reading of it, I felt like she was taking herself to a healthier place in that she was would be less self- destructive. Like she's kind of done a little bit of self-reflection and seen, hey, I don't have to do that
5: hmm. yeah no I think that's totally there in her character and, and again that's it it speaks highly of how she progresses the way she is presented initially is very tropey and very stereotypical and has that sort of you know for like all your kind ye are false the only reason that we have girls <laughs> around here is so that they can set the boys to fighting against themselves and, and <laughs> amongst each other over them um, in fact I think this, now, this was something that we were discussing the other day, actually. the the What could be argued to be the vast improvement over the years of specifically how women act in film in terms of the, the level of their performance. And I'm actually inclined to hold this against casting directors from the past who would... Pick women for roles based on do they do as they're told and do they boob boobily across the set adequately enough?
0: <laughs> there was at least one point where she boobs boobily. Yes.
5: <laughs> you see, this is the thing. She didn't think she was going to get the part because I, I don't know whether it was her agent or somebody else basically told her she wasn't well endowed enough. Yeah. And then she got the role anyway. But it, it does sort of... I, I kind of... Get what that person was was suggesting that it does seem like the sort of role that if someone was going for the all-out stereotype they would have gone for somebody with huge bazungas. Yeah. yeah. And that is not a decent criteria for casting people. Yeah. So I'm really yeah. glad they gave the part to her. She may not yeah. have
0: had massive tits but... She, she does have a, a semi-see-through top, and, and they do draw quite a lot of attention to it. This brings me on to my next question, actually, very neatly. Uh, what are the ups and downs of the treatment of women in this movie? It's not all bad, but it's also not all good. So if you guys would like to elaborate on, on how uh, this one woman, Mercy, and uh, I suppose the Susies?
5: Lizzie's. You're doing it on purpose now.
0: (laughs) It says the Susie's there.
5: Yeah, because you wrote it.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I would add, and in positive for her character, is the Mm. fact that I, i didn't see it. I didn't notice it specifically in other scenes, but the scene in the bathroom. You know, she. I I caught her hitting and biting a guy. So clearly, she's not afraid to get into scraps. And she will fight when she needs to, physically. Mm. And I, so I think I felt like it was a small moment, but it said a lot. So I'd say that's a positive tick in the <laughs>
6: treatment of women in the film. Mm-hmm. I will say that um, the women in this film are all given agency and power of a sort. You know, Mercy, probably the, li- the least of it. But, you know... The Lizzies, for all of their we're duplicitous, and we use manipulation in order to lure guys in and kill them at the very least that is something that you know that they are doing on their own. They are using their what skills they have to their advantage, granted, they could have other skills because it's fiction. you could write whatever you want, but it's there it nobody questions it, nobody questions their danger once it becomes apparent. Mm-hmm. I mean, Snow didn't walk out and say, why are we running from a bunch of girls? It's because they have a gun. Yeah. And they're going to kill you. Although, what, what
0: I did uh, uh, notice that when they, they run out of the room, with just just escaping with their lives, um, it, it does feel dangerous. But the girls all sort of, um, they crowd around and go, "No oh, shit. Just no, like the yeah. castle <laughs> <laughs> anthrax in, in <laughs> the
1: Holy Grail. Yeah, the I'm
5: idea of going like, out there and pursuing them. At no. their door?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: Yeah. I'm sorry. I think, I think with, with the question of Mercy's agency, though, one thing which is presented as bad in terms of treatment of women, but examined to a degree, so that turns that into a positive, okay. is the fact that she doesn't actually have a great deal of choice about how she is involved with this gang situation. She is attached to the orphans because she's the leader's sister, I believe. Yeah. So she's kind of stuck with that. That wasn't her choice. And she's surrounded by women who their only participation in this life appears to be to produce children and get the life sucked out of them by that process, which she doesn't want for herself she gets out of the situation that she's in by virtue of her birth by attaching herself to another guy and then traveling to the other end of the city with him but again she does kind of look at that to a degree she is aware of her lack of choice and she talks about it in a manner that suggests she wants things to be different. So whether we actually see her changing things, and I think I I get what you were driving at, actually, Debbie, that you might not see her go out and get another life for herself, but you really do get the sense that she is motivated to do that. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes.
6: Her goading the the orphans and the uh, warriors into a fight... Is in a way, her trying to lead where she feels that her brother has failed to, that he lacks the courage to do so, so she is trying to push the orphans to become a better gang. She's trying to step up in the way that she can, because she is not the person who is going to produce babies for more gang members. Mm. She fe- She feels like she should be... A part of a gang, yeah. a part, an active participant.
5: Which, if we're examining this through the lens of of Greco Roman myth, that it's not frequent, but there are stories in ancient mythology about women who were character wise and temperament wise, very highly suited for leadership roles, but couldn't take them because of their gender. So uh-huh. this idea that this is her brother and he's in charge and he's shit and she'd actually be a lot better, but she can't be because she's a girl. Yeah. So she gets yeah. out in the only way she can Yeah.
4: Which that part of it kind of go ties in with what we were talking about, it feeling realistic in the fact of the amount of limited choices, mm. especially for women in this world. The, the choices are pretty limited for these men, apparently, uh, obviously, too.
5: Yeah, and this is where the, the whole class thing comes in, that <laughs> when you're at this level, the there is a structure here that will prevent you from getting above this level.
4: Yeah, and, and she's probably right, that that's one of the only ways she could have managed to get out, mm. or at least out of the orphans anyway, let's put it that way, and try for something different. Given that uh, something I've noticed is being, observing Caru's um, family, uh, he comes from a very strongly Italian family, the way tribe is so important in the way that, you know, you have, because of who you're born to and the gender you're born you are locked into a set of choices especially then it's it's becoming less true but there's still very a very strong sense of this is what is expected and this is what you do and it, it that felt very identifiable in this movie
0: there are a couple of things that get said which i really wish weren't in the film Uh, (laughs)
4: just a couple
0: yeah. principally because of who says it we are asked to consider them to be our uh, protagonists, uh, the people that we are invested in but when they say shit like this uh, it it makes me recoil in horror and go you know what, fucking die get the rest of, you know, all the other gangs can just come down upon you like a metric fuck ton of bricks, I don't care anymore uh, yeah. So it's specifically um, after Mercy stirred up shit. She goes walking off alone. Then the warriors uh, grab her. She uh, protests. Swan, the war chief of the warriors, uh, says, "Maybe we ought to run a train on you. You'd probably like it."
5: Our hero, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Our, that's what uh, uh, our hero, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, somebody who effectively joke threatens gang rape.
5: Yeah. and you know yeah. it was written at a
0: different time it was directed at a later different time it's been a long time gangs this that the other whatever fucking excuses you want to make for it that is shitty fucking characterization it yeah. makes me yeah. go fuck this guy
5: mm. and if they really really felt the need to include that line <coughs> Shift it sideways, have Ajax say it, have Swan jet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Principally because they seem to be going out of their way to make Ajax sexually aggressive and a predator. Uh, One of the first things he says is, you know, well, one of the things we can get going up to this stupid meeting, maybe we get some loose, strange wool on the way home. And fair enough, you know, maybe we get laid on the way home, that's fine. But he just keeps at it. And he also punctuates that little nugget with, uh, you know, know, that's not really uh, what I'm into, uh, Ajax. What are you? Uh, And then he drops his first of three F-bombs. Not the F-word, folks. Not fuck. The other F-word. One thing we might get out of Cyrus's little
1: get-together meeting some strange wolf. I wouldn't mind laying a little something down on the way back. You got a one-track brain, you know that? What's the matter? You going faggot?
0: He is F-bombing this and F-bombing that throughout this movie. Like, you say that word three times, and I am waiting for you to explode. (laughs) Yeah.
6: Have you turned... F word. And I'm like, you, just, somebody punch his ass. Yeah. Kick him in the junk repeatedly. Like, all, all, all the rest of seven of you. Do yeah. it.
4: Awfulness aside, this is not to diminish the awfulness of that because that is awful. It's, he's, the, the one that struck me is when he said it specifically when Swan was like, no, we need to keep moving because our lives are in danger. I'm sorry, you're more interested in 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 fucking than you are in living.
6: You're going to die with your dick wet.
4: I, I'm like,
5: <laughs> I... I, I uh... There is a point to having a character like this within the group, and it's not the point that people seem to think it is when they put a character like this in the group, which is that he's muscle... We know he's a bit of a pain in the neck, but we keep him around because he's good in a fight. And ultimately, if the the shit comes down on us, we know we need him to get us out of this. Like the Hulk? No. (laughs) He is your landmine. He is the person within the group that is going to end up screwing the lot of you because of his Mm behaviour. Because he isn't acting in a way that you can contain. Because he isn't... Uh, paying attention when you're trying a different strategy than let's go in swinging
0: because he's objecting for no goddamn reason because he's thinking with his
5: dick exactly yeah yeah the problem
6: with a loose cannon is that it rarely uh hits your enemy and usually just causes you problems
5: absolutely i actually kind of like the fact that that
6: his loose cannon
0: maverick attitude doesn't end up being exonerated and kind of ah if it wasn't for ajax we wouldn't have gotten out of this one like yeah, thank that. you, Ajax. We validate your shitty behaviour. It's actually good and right that he gets arrested. And let us folks illuminate why he gets arrested, just in case you haven't seen the Warriors. This
5: is like the best scene in the whole thing. It kind of is. I yeah. love this scene. Yeah. It kind
0: of is. Unless until you hear them talking about it, um with the actual the the filmmakers. Uh they're they're trying to get out through a park, and uh yeah, they've been cornered repeatedly by rival gangs, including the Orpans, and um <laughs> He he. See, he runs past. Is it Mercedes Rule? I recognise her voice. She's got a great um, sound to her. Uh,
5: yeah, I'm pretty sure that's her. Yeah.
0: She was uh, Josh's mom in Big. Uh, she was in Last Action Hero. She was Denny is his mum.
5: Yep, there you go, policewoman in the Warriors. Yeah,
0: policewoman in the Warriors. So it's, it's Mercedes Rule, who was a yeah. handsome lady uh, then and now, and um, and she's just sitting alone in a park bench after midnight, as you do in New York
4: City. <laughs> Um, and I'm pretty sure that was
6: supposed to be Central Park. Yeah, that was so, the impression I. Yeah, <laughs> sitting in Central Park in the middle of the night. Yeah, this totally is not a cop. There's two reasons to go to Central Park after dark: to get jerked <laughs> off or to jerk somebody off. Oh, oh, third in, in the uh, night, in, or in get the, murdered. Yeah, yes, murdered,
1: suicide, suicide in
3: yeah. Dinkins. <laughs> dinkins new york <laughs> Raff is in that fucking trench coat oh, in that yeah. first movie. oh he's getting like, w- something what the fuck do you think he's doing yeah he's
6: looking to get a fucking hey jay from somebody <laughs> down in Times square yeah, it's a,
3: a little slice of lovin <laughs> yeah oh, he, afterwards he goes to central park Yeah, the villa oh, night and casey jones is rolling around with some people he, he, that night he traded his pizza pie Listen. for gonorrhea <laughs>
0: And if you'd like more of that, listen to the We Hate Movies episode on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Uh, so it's, it's a seedy fucking place. And uh, she's there, just on her own, under a street lamp. And Ajax, like, is, you know, I want to go back and talk to her. Clearly, you know, she wants it. And uh, Swan's like, no, you have to stop sinking with your dick." And Ajax uh, goes, no, man. Does he throw the F-bomb yet again at this point? Is that the, is that
6: the yeah, time? Yeah, have you turned what?" Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, that yeah. was the third and final time. So um they go, you know what? Fuck it. You go off and do what the hell you got to do. Ajax, like, c- you know, crawls up to her, starts coming on, and then she's like, yeah, no. And then he starts coming on really strong. Then he starts grabbing and pawing at her and effectively makes it abundantly clear to us, the audience, that if this woman isn't going to have sex with him voluntarily, she's going to have sex with him involuntarily. And I say again... Our hero, ladies and gentlemen, or at least yeah. our co-hero, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. She turns out to be a cop. She handcuffs him to the bench and he's like, Arr! and he's like pulling at the bench. Then the rest of the, the police turn up and um, they, you know, they, they beat his ass. Not severely. He's not beaten half to death. He's just, you know, whacked down. And like, he's he's like ending up, he ends up fuming in a, damn, I was going to get a good rape on there. And, uh yeah, I, I was, you know, sick to my stomach. And then when they talk about it during the uh, making of stuff, they're like, we we're always really sad about what happened to poor Jack. He just has to leave the movie. And it's like, you shouldn't be sad about it. He's written as a rapist. Yeah. yeah. He's multiple he, Migs. He's Johnny 23
4: from Con Air. Uh-huh. He deserved everything he got there. Yeah, you're right. He wasn't... They subdued him, but he, yeah, he wasn't beaten to death. He wasn't, you know, it was, he deserved to get arrested because he was assaulting a woman in front, a police woman and in front of other police, policemen. Yeah. Police people, however you want to put it. So yeah. he'll
0: go to jail for soliciting a, a prostitute and sexual assault because he managed to double up on that, then resisting arrest. Uh, yeah. So I don't know how long he'll be in jail, but from the sounds of it, in the comics,
6: they break him out, thus exonerating Ajax. <laughs> no, they—they at least recognize that he was an idiot, but he's our idiot. Like we gotta get—we gotta get Ajax, that even if like
0: he's to Me, <laughs>
6: <laughs> all right, fair. You're right. You're right. That is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's kind of like if, after- if if Jane in uh, Firefly behaved like Adam Baldwin in real life. <laughs> 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 so.
5: Off yeah. my ship.
0: Yeah. Get out. Our hero, ladies and gentlemen. So, to a degree, they do somewhat soften up the relationship between Swan and Mercy, but they don't really talk about it, and he never really a- does he actually ever apologise to her for treating her in a shitty way?
5: I think his giving her the corsage... Is
0: his shitty man's apology. His
5: shitty man's apology, especially since he accompanies it with it with something like, I just hate seeing anything go to waste.
0: It's very utilitarian again. It's like, I've just got to make sure I give this corsage to someone. Are
5: you comparing this woman to a discarded flower?
0: Yeah. And she's walking around wearing a, a, a man's jacket and it's like, oh, it's like I've just come back from prom and here's my corsage and here's the man's jacket. I mean, it's not the man's jacket. He wouldn't give me his vest.
5: I had to steal it from someone else. From
0: someone else. <laughs> but it's the most romantic night of my life. Remember that that time one of our friends got done for rape?
5: Do you know what would have been a nice touch at this point? If he'd given her the corsage and then taken off his vest and replaced the jacket she was wearing with it. Yeah. The jacket yeah.
0: was warm, the vest was not.
5: Well, this is true. And also there's the He had nipples issue. like
0: bullets. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but, you know, just something to suggest that by this point he's come around to the idea of her earning a place in the Warriors.
0: Yeah, it does feel like she should be an honorary warrior. So maybe, like, Fox dies but they get his jacket. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. Dead man's vest. Yeah,
0: dead man's, yeah, the old dead man's vest rule. <laughs> They, they they untangle it from the train wheel. Uh,
5: God. Oh, God, that's horrible. At least it's red.
0: Ooh. Okay, so um...
4: he wore the he wore the brown pen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, what effect does the music and score by Barry De have? The uh, the the uh, the score and the soundtrack.
6: I, I love it. It um, contributes to the atmosphere so very well. Apparently it was one of the first, if not the first, movie to have a fully synthesized rock soundtrack, mm-hmm. or score at least, and it contributes to that sense of this being a very mechanized city. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't do it quite as well as later Walter Hill film Streets of Fire does, but it does it still very well and gives that great um, sense of things. I, I just absolutely love the feel that it gives the film.
4: It it brings the city to life in a in a way. It, yeah. I think it adds it adds character to the city, which which you already get pretty good from the visuals, but the music definitely helps and it it feels completely like it fits in this. Situation this in this city like this feels like music that would be playing you know in clubs they run past mm-hmm. or you know somebody's stereo or their boombox or whatever not not boombox but whatever sound equipment was common at the time yeah. yeah
5: as well the advantage of film as an art form what it brings is the ability to blend visual and audio. ...material to stimulate emotional responses in people. And synth is to audio what neon is to visuals. It gives it that Mm. unrealistic beauty, that mental toothache that I referred to earlier, which is a really yeah. phrase which I'm thinking of copywriting. Um,
0: <laughs> it's a rare instance where a John Williams score would not have improved No,
5: it. no, not yeah. the slightest. Yeah.
0: Um, also, uh, because so much recently has been retro and, and, and synth is sort of like coming back in into certain th- things that want to have a assert that, into certain productions that want to have that neon-soaked feel to them. Blade Runner 2049 being a perfect Mm, example.
5: The Neon Demon has it to an extent.
0: Mass Effect. Uh, Anything with a synthy score. That makes this film somewhat timeless. It's of the same timelessness as all the other things that are kind of rooted in the late 70s, early 80s, with a bit of a John Carpenter feel to them. But uh, it... It also doesn't feel just like a seventies film, if that makes sense.
4: Yeah, no, I I totally agree. It well, and I think synth has been to a certain degree ubiquitous since the eighties. Mm. It's it's,
2: it's yes,
4: it's it's coming back, but it's always it's always been used to, to um, effect that kind of. That kind of aesthetic and that kind of feel, Mm. and so yeah, it it does make it feel kind of timeless.
5: And although it is coming back at the moment, it is in that sort of retro-evoking nostalgia sense a lot of the time. Mm. Yeah.
0: Oh well, Stranger Things has an incredible synth score as well. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah.
5: yeah. Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. But you're you're kind of fully into cyberpunk by that
0: point. What are some moments that we haven't actually mentioned yet that are some of your favourites?
6: I absolutely adore that last uh, train ride to Coney Island because it it feels like a release without a giant fight sequence. Mm. I, I'm with them at that point all the way, just watching them kind of sack, almost sacked out on those uh, chairs, just exhausted. I think that's fantastic to see.
4: They have a sense of safety
6: that they haven't had up until that point. Exactly. It's you know the sun is coming up. They know that they are okay now. All of the scenes with the Gramercy Rifts where they're you know lined up and ready to go, and just kind of waiting on an opportunity to pounce on the Warriors. Those are all great.
4: They feel very their their whole aesthetic feels very military yeah they they feel very precision the way they're very uh the way they're dressed is very um meticulous and precise yeah. they they look neat and they are they look like they are in formation
6: and yeah, they, they look like soldiers they are very clearly the gang that is going to unite everybody yeah
4: yeah and it it's And I think in general, just the visuals of this movie, the way, the comic book parts, which we did mention, the transitions, but just the fact that everybody, I think, the gangs that we do get a little bit more of, not just the Warriors, kind of get their own little visual flourishes.
0: Yeah. Um, um, the Baseball Furies in particular is one of my favourite uh, sequences, just purely because oh, it's, yeah. it's unusual. You don't get that at any other point of the film or really in any other film that, that, that has this... I mean, th- there's plenty of other films where these uh, silent, painted enemies swoop down, but it's it's just... They were described as being like samurai uh, during the, the making of materials, and I'm like, yeah, that actually kind of works. They're... Uh, yeah. they, they all effectively they serve the baseball furies, but they've they've got a great look to them, and uh, the actual that, that's one of the more meaty fights.
6: Um, I particularly like the way that they use their baseball bats. It feels like they this is their main weapon, and they have practiced with it. Mm. They have technique in a way that the warriors, even when they get a hold of them, don't. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and. This is just a little thing, but I kind of love Snow's look. I love that he's wearing the neckerchief and the lipstick, and he's got the necklaces. It's it's just a little bit of queering of the character. Not entirely, and he's very, very straight, obviously, but is he? <laughs> like, when they were with the, li- with the Lizzie's, he's the only one that's kind of sitting there looking around nervously. Hmm.
4: I... I wondered, honestly, if that was if that was a trans person, because the it felt like it felt like it could have been um, it could have been, you know, someone in transition because it was there was a lot of masculinity there. But there was also a lot of femininity.
6: Yeah, he he almost comes off as androgynous in a way. And I I very much like Snow's look. Mm -hmm. I wish there was more of him.
5: Yeah. So maybe non-binary then, and Snow is not a gendered yeah. name.
6: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I believe the character was originally called Snowman, and they cut it down to just Snow.
0: Oh. <laughs> um. Oh, and, and of course, there's the the other iconic line: uh, "Warriors come out to play." This was um, yeah. The actor playing uh, Luther. Luther. Uh, he, he just taps three beer bottles together and uh, jibes them from a distance in the car. And it's just a little moment, but it goes on and holds for so long that it, it becomes iconic in the moment, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like you, you realize, mm-hmm. oh, this is never going to leave my head.
6: I mentioned to five people that we watched the Warriors this week, and mm-hmm. all of them said that same thing. Said that same. Line. That was their first reaction. Every single one. Yeah. Yep.
0: There's <laughs> uh, been a couple of um, little Warriors parodies we've seen. Uh, the uh, I think we saw the community episode. I think it's the one with paintball. Uh, maybe yeah. the second one with paintball. Uh, uh, but uh, the that they pull the Warriors come out to play. One of the. Uh, um, you know, tribal Greendale students is uh, uh, on roller boots, and uh, they 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 sing the you know warriors come out to play thing. Um, we were also watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the 2012 uh, Nickelodeon show today, and it yeah. just so happened that the episode we'd never seen before with Bebop and Rocksteady for the first time. They go to Coney Island, and Bebop and Rocksteady uh, uh, um, cry. Turtles come out to play. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like that's delightful okay so uh, what does this film appear to be influenced by so we're going to go backwards and just like you've already said West Side Story it's a reaction to that uh, there were a couple of other ones that I had noted down which haven't been mentioned yet hmm. we said comic books and if you actually look yeah. at Marvel comics in, especially in the 70s they were very sort of New York urban uh, and there was a lot of uh, dealing with neighbourhood issues rather than the whole world is going to be taken over by Hydra
6: yeah, the Power Man stuff, and um, yeah, the Falcon. All 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 of that early, all that early stuff was very much playing on the sort of black exploitation trend that was going on, um, as well as the uh, Asian Hong Kong movie trend. Yeah.
0: I've got a Clockwork Orange here. Because when, I, okay. when the fights happen, now obviously there are a lot, they're kind of deliberately sillier and more um, elaborate in, the, uh, in Kubrick's film, but there is that same sense of, well, this is what gang violence is like. They're, they're pulling off moves and, 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 uh, and kicks and punches which don't have the impact of, of modern-day choreography, but it felt, <coughs> it felt like the Droogs and Alex's gang could have turned up at that particular meeting at the beginning <laughs> and they would have fit right in
6: oh yeah
5: yeah the Milk Brothers
0: yeah Malocco Plus Brothers <laughs> um, also Kiss now the uh, the costume designer noted that the uh, Baseball Furies had a little Kiss in them but uh, mm-hmm. yeah there, there was a lot at the time Kiss was a huge deal
6: yeah they they were basically literally the Kiss Army
0: yeah which reminded me that uh, Detroit Rock City uh, that film that no one knows or has seen um, but with Edward Furlong yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really, really like it. It came out around about the yeah. same time as this film was made, so it's it's got that uh, an odd sense of uh, similarity uh, into in terms of the, the the world of the '70s that you're plunged into. Even if it is in both cases a heightened version of the '70s, mm. in, yeah. in, in the case of Detroit Rock City, a remembered version of the '70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by extension, what have been the influences this film has had in the past forty years? I've already said uh, Streets of Rage and Final Fight, and just the side-scrolling brawlers like Double Dragon. Yeah. Yeah, everything that sort of stemmed uh, in video games feels like it may like the, the de- developers at Capcom and Sega have seen this film.
6: Oh yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent they have. And um, I, I, honestly, I think modern superhero media draws a lot of inspiration from this. In the sense that, example? Um, uh, let's see here. I'm going to go with the original X-Men. Actually, um, this X-Men movie really come out to play. <laughs> That's okay. I don't know, I'm imagining Toad doing that now. Uh, <laughs> no, in the sense that it definitely sets. Uh, it changed the way that we sort of look at team dynamics and how to do a.
0: It's all about the humourless, dull leader and the uh, angry lancer.
6: <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
0: Everyone else can just stand but, in the background.
6: Pretty much, yeah. But it, while this, while it is very proto, um, it did have, it did seem to have a lot of influence on how we do an ensemble piece.
0: X Men terrible as ensemble pieces so is this yeah this is
6: Swan, this is swan's story yeah but they're trying and i see them try i see them doing the same thing in the x-men yeah other things that uh, i felt that the this influenced
0: beat it the michael jackson uh um gang warfare uh music video uh, and i feel like he watched uh, West Side Story, and maybe The Warriors, and uh, as a result, th- this was the world of gangs that dance that he uh, uh, conjured up for that.
6: Or bad, or um, that one amazing sequence in Moonwalker. The oh, yeah, <laughs> that that
0: yeah. that's what gangs are in Michael Jackson's head, and uh, also Absolutely. it feels like uh, the the leader of the Gramercy Riffs is the guy who turns up in white at the end of Beat It, and uh, and and then has that fight with that guy with the chicken. Oh, no, that's Eat yeah. It. Eat It, sorry.
6: That's Eat It, yeah. 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 No, yeah <laughs> I, I, I know you're with
0: that. Uh. Um, uh, Also, uh, John Carpenter films, Big Trouble in Little China, and I know he wrote <laughs> Escape from New York before this, uh, and Escape from New York came out afterwards, but it feels like th- this version of New York uh, had Carpent- got Carpenter thinking about how he could visually represent a, a war zone of Manhattan. Yeah.
6: And um, you could also suggest the going the other direction that the Warriors drew from Assault on Precinct Thirteen, particularly on how the gangs are portrayed. Yeah, yeah.
4: Well, and actually, come to think of it, the the lone woman in that movie
2: is yeah.
4: not unlike Mercy yeah. in certain ways. Look, she looks a fair—they look a fair amount alike.
2: Yeah,
4: yeah. And very somewhat similar aesthetic. She's wearing a bra, as I recall, but yeah. That... But the way they dress is not dissimilar. Otherwise, I'd also
0: say that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, while they derived a lot from Frank Miller, it feels like Frank Miller derived a lot from the Warriors. Yeah, yeah. So he put them into Daredevil and uh, uh, The Dark Knight Returns, and then the, um, Eastman and Laird put a lot of that into uh, the Turtles. Uh-huh. Uh, and also, this is a, a a big reach: Gangs of New York the uh, uh, Scorsese film, when all those gangs turn up at the beginning and square off against each other, it feels like if you squint, you can see like the ancestors of the Susies and the Baseball Fury sort of like in it's... the background. The Lizzies, sorry. Um.
6: <laughs> you are doing it on purpose. Yeah, I am.
0: <laughs> I feel like I should explain the Susies thing it's from mystery man with this very warriors inspired evil criminal gang scene
1: well it is wonderful in my heart to see so many familiar faces once again the suits assassins from the east the suits downsizing all those who dare oppose them and the always dressed to kill <laughs> on the frat boys, yeah. still on probation for lethal Bye,
0: And yes, that was Michael Bay in the Frat Boys. Dude,
3: can we uh, bring the brewskis?
1: Yes, of course. You may absolutely bring the brewskis. Yeah!
0: But we were talking about gangs of New York. So yeah, it's it's about actual gang warfare and, and uh, five points, and and so it feels like there is like either it was inspired by the Warriors or it's a prequel
6: to the warriors and can't uh, accept it yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: and the other one uh, is um and this is specifically the second and the third and the fourth movies more specifically the fourth the most recent one the purge
6: okay, okay yeah
0: because think about I- it like it's uh, the, you know just for one evening the whole place is a war zone and you're just with a bunch of people who you really want to get out of it uh, only yeah. the Purge is he- uh, hella violent, a lot more. And yeah. uh, like, once you've seen the Purge, the Warriors is just is just a playground. Mm. It's a bunch yeah. of kids
6: slapping each other.
5: I know what you mean, yeah. though. It is that sense of if we can just make it through this night, yeah. we'll be okay. Yeah, yeah.
6: And the gangs are the safe people, the ones who have uh, who have family that family, yeah. family, and the. Fast and the Furious sense that they can count on during this purge time. I think you mean family. I do mean family, yes. <laughs> it's all about family. At the end of when they
0: get to uh, walk back to Coney Island along the beach, uh, after, which is, by the way, a really great shot, you know, when they've got their backs yeah. to the sea, that's when the Greeks reach the oceans. They may as well play the purge alarm at that point and go...
2: like the coast Mm-mm. is
0: now clear you may now walk up it and they didn't make draw this parallel when i was watching the making of but they were the actors were asked to walk down the beach and not turn back because obviously it's uh, they were filming and they weren't supposed to look at the cameras and that was like orpheus and eurydice like they were now walking out of hades and they weren't allowed to turn back otherwise eurydice would be snatched away mm-hmm. and uh, yeah if you want to add, add greek mythology into the actual technical specifications of how it was made
6: Yeah. I also I also love part of the reason why they did that was um, what's your name? Deborah Van Mm Valkenburg realized they were out of range of the cameras. Mm -hmm. So she got pissed because she's like, they didn't tell us they didn't tell us to stop. Mm. And then she came like storming back and they gave her a bouquet (laughs) to thank her for being on. It was to surprise her. It nice. specifically did that so that she would come back and they could give her this bouquet to thank her for being on the set. And
0: final question. At the moment, it appears that The Warriors is joining a growing list of films that are being extended into modern-day TV shows, along with From Dusk Till Dawn, The Haunting, and Lethal Weapon. This one is presided over by the Russo brothers, directors of Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and Civil War, Infinity War, and they're also veterans of community and arrested development we can infer from this that we will get a lengthy dynasty of gang conflict that will last many, many seasons and hundreds of hours. But let's imagine for a second that this was just going to be a 100-minute theatrically released 2019 film remake. How would you make it different for contemporary audiences?
5: Embrace the West Side Story. Give it to Lin-Manuel Miranda. Make it a musical. (laughs) (laughs) I can dig it.
6: Uh, <laughs> the
0: central, um, like, yeah, the the, the toe tapping showstopper is the "Can You Dig It" song at the beginning.
6: Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely go with a black and Hispanic gang. We we don't need to put white people in anymore to get the box office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and talk about race. Just talk, make race an issue. It doesn't have to be the only issue, but it should be an issue. Yeah. Uh,
0: get consultation uh, from as many gangs as you can as well. Like, just like get as uh, a lot of viewpoints so that you can yeah. thread that in at the scripting stage, not in the, after the script is written. Mm. Yeah.
4: We were talking about the, who we would cast, and I was thinking about it, and who I would cast as as Cyrus, either uh, Mike Coulter, Luke Cage, mm-hmm. or um, Denzel. The, Denzel could do it, absolutely. You Um, need someone
0: that everyone would recognize and go, hell yes, I'd follow him. Yeah, Yeah. good
4: good point, good point, good point. Um, Yeah, someone definitely has enough charisma and screen presence. Actually, I was thinking about any of the guys from Luke Cage, basically, the guy that plays Shades could do it, the guy that plays Cottonmouth. That's
0: Theo Rossi and Maheshala Ali.
4: Those actors definitely have the kind of charisma I was talking about that... Like you can be, oh yes, like them and yeah, absolutely. Denzel, he could for sure do it. Like instantly, instantly walk on set, and you know,
6: yeah. Make sure that the characters are not making unforced errors. Take out any time when the characters decide to get laid when they're running for their lives. Yeah, like literally every single time that they do this, this is stupid. And I start losing sympathy for them because they're being idiots. And all the tension is drained away that you spent ages ratcheting up. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If they feel comfortable enough to take off their clothes and fuck somebody, then I feel comfortable enough to think that they're not really in danger.
4: Mm. Yeah. And and you can have like one thing that would be humanizing is on like on one of the subway scenes, have one of the gang members just make eyes with a girl. You know, they kind of, they kind of, you know, have a moment. And that's all you need, you know, flirt a little bit. Or, you know, have Mercy call Swan on his shit. Yeah. And, you know, show them as the kind of couple who, yes, they fight, but they also clearly, like, respect each other and... You know, want to hear what the other, each wants to hear what the other
6: has to say. Yeah. Add the Jet Set Radio soundtrack. (laughs) Another thing that was inspired by this heavily.
0: (laughs) Actually, yeah, a a soundtrack of of contemporary, like, of music that feels. You know how the the Luke Cage soundtrack is amazing? Something which sort of puts you in a time and place. Uh, That's absolutely crucial.
4: It's gotta have a lot of hip hop, yeah. a lot of synth, but also you need a lot of hip hop.
0: Black and Latino.
4: Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Absolutely.
6: Yeah. And also um, some R and B for the like early R and B for the slower parts. Sure.
4: Sure. Sure. Some some decidedly let, let's be frank some decidedly black and people music from blacks and people of color.
6: Yeah. we're, We're all agreed that it needs to remain a period piece, yes?
0: Uh, maybe just a step out of time piece so yeah. rather than it being set in the 70s it's set in a version of the future that the 70s thought was going to happen yeah
5: that capsule universe sense that I was talking about I think yeah, yeah. Can, so like Streets of fire maintain that yeah. Yeah. yeah but don't yeah. flood it with mobile phones or anything like that
0: yeah. or uh, yeah. Alien Isolation uh, the, uh, the video game which feels exactly like the way that the 70s thought space travel would be
6: mm. yeah. yeah yeah or, dirty, or, uh, or Archer yeah yeah Early seasons of Archer, which were both modern and retro simultaneously.
5: Yeah. Small casting suggestion, by yeah. the way, and this is going to sound self-serving because I want her in everything, but Tessa Thompson as Mercy. Yes. Mm. Oh, hell yeah. Yes,
0: that's pretend. I would go for uh, several unknowns who've got amazing charisma for a lot of the warriors rather than uh, like filling it up with uh, people that are already known because uh, you, will, you won't know who's in danger.
5: I would agree, except for Mercy, because you need... She's the only girl.
1: Yeah, that so you need someone. You yeah. need
5: somebody who is not going to get flooded by everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we need someone we know
4: that could that can hold her own and that we
6: buy can hold her own. Yeah. Or, help expand Lincoln's part so that she's, like, holding down the fort back at Coney Island after Cleon dies and give her something to do as yeah. well.
4: Yeah, that... And Mercy, if she's a little old for this now, but Michelle Rodriguez would be another one who mm. I, I agree with Tessa Thompson. But Michelle Rodriguez is also a woman who I absolutely believe. Yeah could
5: hold
6: her own in that she could be position. Link. She could be Lincoln. She
5: could. You know she who, could she basically... could, who she could Go also on. be? Is Mercedes Rule's character and bring in the police perspective. Have her as a the leader of a squad that's having to deal with some of this.
0: Okay, you've hit yeah. one yeah. thing that's actually really key here for me. The police need to be a presence in the Warriors. They're there in the background. There's. It feels like, to, to a degree, that um, Cyrus' uh, killing was somehow organised orchestrated or planned with the aid of the police, maybe they slipped him the the gun or something like that but there's very little that points directly to the cops and say it was definitely them. There needs to be a huge element of police corruption, racial hatred, institutionalised racial hatred and that being consequence free there is no way you could do this now unless either You've got some fucking vile cops bending the law to their own end to do whatever they wish to innocent people that the gang members are protecting. And if you want to actually balance this out, you have some good cops in there as well who also want to crack down on this so that you can show it is not cops that we hate, it is this behavior.
5: Mm. The structural yeah. corruption that allows it to continue, and the fact that if you have a handful of street-level cops who are swimming uphill trying to stop this stuff from happening... Yeah. Yeah.
6: Yeah. There's a there's a sense in the original one that the cops are supposed to be just another gang, but they can expand on that significantly. Yeah.
0: yeah. Since, ultimately, the unity is there to oppose the cops, the cops themselves need to be a major character.
6: Yeah, Yeah. so
0: when you're done running from a whole bunch of gangs, you've suddenly got the cops to deal with. How the hell can you deal with a force of order that won't obey its own rules?
5: And the idea of the police tolerating the gangs as long as they are fighting with each other to the extent that they're preventing any one set of people rising above Mm. the morass. Yeah,
0: I like the episodic nature. I actually think that is something that should be kept. It feels uh, like uh, the best version of this story will maintain that. And now you're on this level. Focus. Honestly, I'm not excited all that much about the TV show because I don't like any of these TV shows that expand a movie to multiple (laughs) seasons. Yeah, uh, but you know, the Russo brothers. uh, You know, that's that's an enticing thought. Uh
4: If anybody can do it well. I
0: think they can. Yeah, maybe. Um, Also, uh, have Swan doubt his abilities as a leader, have his place contested by Ajax, follow up on Ajax so that it's not just... And then he exits the movie. And maybe don't have any of them be rapists and if they are have them have the shit beaten out of them by the guy that you're supposed to or the girl that you're supposed to uh, um uh, be behind just you know call out that shitty behavior
5: Mm. let's Mm -hmm. have a few moral absolutes in this yeah yeah it's a
6: couple yeah rape is bad should probably be a baseline
5: Mm yeah
4: let I mean, them yeah they, they are we root for them because while they are gangs they have they have a moral code there are certain things they will not do
0: yeah, yeah. And, and you kind of have to include that in a modern day uh, remake not because it's something that needs to be tackled because you are openly saying this is something problematic about the original here is how we're handling it as opposed to oh let's just not handle it at all
5: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Got this chicken shit thing to do.
5: This is something problematic about the society that this is attempting to reflect. If you ignore it, if you allow it to to kind of maintain that line... As with race hatred. Exactly, and go, oh, it's fiction, so we we don't need that. That's fine, you can do that. I've got no problem with people setting up fantastical environments where things are nicer than they are in the real world. Sometimes that can be really beneficial. But if you Mm -hmm. want to be... uh, you're talking about socially dystopia. exactly. It can't
0: be nice yeah. and yeah. real You create a
5: dystopia and then go, well, it's better than here. It's
0: yeah. <laughs> about racism, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we shall see with this uh, ongoing version of The Warriors. Maybe we'll do a show on that. Don't count your chickens, folks, because we don't <laughs> do TV all that often. And School of Movies! Yeah is funded by our loyal supporters on Patreon and our $15 tier gets sponsor credit every episode so thank you to Joel Robinson Abel Savard Sean Duran Kevin Otero Luke Hatfield we got the Nick Ord sitting beside the Duran Barnett we got the Tom Painter over there by the Finbar Nickel. We got Jameis Enright, we got Mark Lush. can you count suckers? We got Dan Mayer, we got Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Youngius. we got Dave Hickman, Aaron LeCluze, David Garcia, Abril, Kieran Datchler, and
3: Lorraine Chisham. Can you dig it?
0: And next week, we'll be reviewing Creed. I think that pretty much wraps up the Warriors. As usual, we've gone way longer than the film itself. <laughs> yeah. um, folks, could uh, could you two uh, tell us where we can find your stuff?
6: Absolutely. Uh, you can find us on sequentially-yours.com, uh, where we talk about comic books, comic book movies, do deep dives, um, basically of the comic medium in general. And you can find me on Twitter at Moon Panther twenty two.
4: And you can find me on Twitter at Best at 8300 or Debbie Morse, either one. Okay, and uh, I'm just going
0: to, uh, to, to play you out, folks, we're going to finish on the same song that uh, ends the Warriors film, but I'm just going to uh, reiterate the notes that I was making when I uh, watched this film again recently. Uh, I was making note of what I assumed each gang was called in the, uh, uh, the introduction. So we had the pimps, the mimes, the electric eliminators, because it said so on their jackets, the charchis, the breakdancers... <laughs> The gym teachers, the, skin, the skinhead hillbillies, the plumbers, the fedoras, the sleeveless guys, and the Hare Krishnas. <laughs> so quake in fear at the very idea of all of them hey, coming I down I The you.
6: Hare Krishnas really do frighten me just a little bit.
0: I can dig it.
5: <laughs>
0: okay. So, I've been Alex Shaw.
5: I've been Sharon Shaw.
0: And... Warriors. Warriors,
5: come, come out on. to play! <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: so That's
7: <laughs> it turns out that the early reports were wrong. All wrong. Now for that group out there that had such a hard time getting home. Sorry about that. I guess the only thing we can do is play you a song.